Stampede. Garner is at number 136, recorded 424, 2022. It's a curious thing how wars are financed. It seems possible for our country to print however much money it needs to pay for any military adventurism it desires. Take, for example, the billions of dollars in military aid it's sending to Zelensky's government in the Ukraine. Of course, if we hadn't lost billions of dollars in military hardware in Afghanistan just a few short months ago, we might have been able to switch it around and had given the Ukrainians what they needed. But like I said, it's no skin off our nose because we can print as much money as we like. However, I'm not sure how it works on the other side. I mean, a high-ranking American diplomat meets Zelensky on a battlefield and tells him we'll give him a billion dollars of weapons to push the Russians back to their borders. But there are conditions. After you've done that, you will have to pay us back for all the weapons we've given you. You see, war isn't free. Now, if Zelensky beats the Russians, he's got a big bill to pay. He has to figure out where and how he'll pay back America for all the weapons he bought from us. War is not only not free, 
it's also very expensive. And I'd be willing to bet the paper our diplomat gave Zelensky to sign specifies how Ukraine pays back what it owes. You see, war isn't free. And in fact, it's expensive. But some people make a lot of money doing it. I don't think Biden is sending billions of dollars out of the goodness of his heart. No, some advisor told Biden in the White House how he could make money selling weapons to Ukraine. But this is how it works. If Zelensky wins by pushing Russia out of his country, he'll have to pay back America. And how that will be done, I can't say. Of course, if Zelensky fails, then our government will demand Russia pay us for their invasion of Ukraine. But that's another matter for Putin. Either way, we gain and the warmongers win. Yeah, war is big business, and America knows how to make money doing it. Of course, if Russia permanently takes control of Ukraine or part of it, and the U.S. demands Russia make restitution for doing that, 
Russia might say, go screw yourself. And Western Europe might go along with Russia because they need oil and gas from them. That's when the lobbyists who work for the weapons manufacturers in the U.S. start bending the ears of U.S. representatives and senators to start covert military actions against any of Russia's client states in Africa or the Middle East. Only trouble is, Russia's strong enough militarily with the help of China to threaten direct military action, not in the third world, but the United States. You see, Russia and China believe that our country no longer has the strength to tell anyone what we want, and for that matter, engage in kinetic war directly. And you know what? The rest of the world sees that as a possibility. America has been viewed as a paper tiger and isn't willing to risk direct hostilities with Russia, China, Iran, or North Korea. We've built a military-industrial complex producing the most sophisticated weapons in the world, but we can't engage militarily with any foreign power because, in truth, we might lose. And it could come back to haunt us in our own backyard. I don't think any American would appreciate several different naval fleets conducting war games in the Gulf of Mexico. But the truth is, America can't object about that. Our days of telling other people what we want done is over. And we're no longer the tiger in the jungle. No, we might just be the little mouse running an amusement park. And although we have weapons that could destroy any country that would confront us, we have serious maladies that make us weak and infirm. We have serious illness playing out in our country, and everyone is watching.
Let me be clear on this point. I'm not in favor of Putin's invasion of Ukraine, although there may be millions of Russians who are. I just believe there are reasons for why he did it. And we should get a full airing of what he's telling the Russian people. I don't think we're getting an accurate explanation for this war. And I wouldn't be surprised to hear that oil and gas being distributed to Western Europe and the fact that five pipelines of fuel go through Ukraine are what prompted this conflict. Ukraine for years was accused by Russia of stealing oil and gas from those pipelines. And so Russia was compelled to build a different pipeline, the Nord Stream 2, and it goes directly to Western Europe. Contracts and agreements were signed 12 years ago and Russia proceeded to spend billions of dollars constructing that mine. But as it was being completed, those agreements and contracts were violated and stopped. U.S. companies that had supplied Western Europe since the end of World War II didn't want Russia controlling what was clearly part of their revenue stream. That's what's at the root of this conflict, besides the North Atlantic Treaty Organization posing a real threat to Russia by Ukraine's attempts at becoming a member. There are reasons for why Putin invaded Ukraine, and it wasn't because he's described as a butcher by President Biden. And speaking about how leaders being described in the U.S. press, one would think a person who had begun serving 40 years ago in the federal government and achieved all levels of authority might have been responsible voting for our military in a variety of conflicts around the world. So when it comes to calling people names, let's call a spade a spade. War is good for business. So let's not fool ourselves. There are politicians who really don't give a damn about people dying or suffering in war. No, in reality, they see money flowing from it and not the flood of blood. And that includes the lives of Ukrainians.
calling the leader of the Russian Federation a butcher is not the way to diplomatically resolve what is happening in Ukraine. And frankly, I'm sure there are politicians and lobbyists in our government who find building weapons a good way to keep the economy growing. They want to protract this conflict, to prolong it, especially if they can convince the American public to help defend Ukraine from Russian aggression. Keep the war going, but never question why Putin decided to send Russian troops into Ukraine. We're given a lot of information about how brutal the Russians are, and I'm sure their actions can't be construed as wholesome. War is a dirty business, even if some people gain financially by it. I will say this, Ukraine has a very large population of Russian-speaking people, and many believe they would like Russian control of their government. So it would stand to reason Russian troops wouldn't commit war crimes against those people. No, the motives for why Putin invaded Ukraine are not clear. And likewise, the motives for why America would spend billions of dollars to stop Putin's aggression are not being clearly told either. Biden has offered to take 100,000 Ukrainian refugees. And when that occurs, the American public should be showing them coming to America. We should see America officially welcoming them to our country. Of course, we promised to bring out Afghan people who helped us in the fight against the Taliban. But I'm having difficulty seeing that happening. No, it's easy to lose track of the promises we make as time passes on. And the reason for that is we use propaganda to prove the spin we create in fighting wars. What we're told is not necessarily the truth.
should be very careful. There's enough pain in this world without contributing to it. The conflict in Ukraine is not what our country should defend. It's not our fight. And we shouldn't expose ourselves to Russia's internal affairs for claiming parts of Ukraine. There are strong historical reasons for Russia's connection to its neighbor. I'm not an apologist for Russia's invasion. Instead, I see how we're trying to punish Russia's economy, and there are lots of reasons besides the invasion of Ukraine for doing that. Our country no longer has the strength or even the moral authority for punishing another country for its misdeeds. I question what our military is in our own country. And if we didn't have the largest military building in the world, I'd feel more comfortable. That is, I question why our country has the largest office building in the world and it houses our military headquarters. I know we like to think big in America, but our military's Pentagon takes up 160 acres of floor space. I don't know if you can envision or appreciate a building that uses 160 acres of floor space. But you have to wonder why our military needs something that large. I mean, that's nearly an embarrassment that we think we need all that space to conduct America's military defense operations. We've allowed our military to intrude into our lives, and we shouldn't convince Americans it's making us safer. No, I can think of lots of governments in this world that are safer than America's, and they don't spend $800 billion doing it every year. The greatness of our nation is not with the weapons we build. Our greatness is with the people that make up our nation, or any nation for that matter. We forfeit who we are by believing we are a strong people by our weapons. But that isn't true. It's something else.
this week on Garner Isn't, you heard the music of Franz Waxman, with cuts from three movie soundtracks. First, from the movie Bride of Frankenstein, a 1935 release, The Creation. Then more from that movie, The Monster's Entrance, followed by another soundtrack from the movie Sunset Boulevard, 1950, Sacrifice of Self-Respect, and then more from that movie, Conversing with Corpses, and a return of a cut from Creation, and finally from the movie Rebecca, a cut from the main title, 1940. Stampede, written and performed by Edward Garner, in Morro Bay and Paso Robles, California.